Hello and thank you for listening to episode 467 of 60MW. I'm Dave and this is another of our interview shows. And in this one, I chat with actor Neil Maskell all about his role in the movie Bull, which is getting a fantastic Blu-ray release from Second Sight Films on the 26th of September. And there is a review for that on our website. I'll link the review into the podcast notes for this episode. Neil was yet another of those guests that I could have spent hours chatting with. But in the short time I had with him, I had a fantastic time. Hopefully you do too listening to this. So sit back, relax, get comfortable and listen to me and Neil Maskell chat a little bit about Bull. Hi, Neil. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Really good. Let, let's talk about Bull because uh, Second Sight sent us a review copy of it a few weeks ago. And right. I went into it knowing nothing about it whatsoever. I'm remembering that this was this was over two weeks ago now. I am positive that the arm of our couch has still got the indentations from my fingernails in it. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, good to hear. Yeah. It's um it's a bit tense, isn't it? How how do you prepare? I mean, you've played you've played, you know, hard men on film lots of times and you played comedy roles, you know, you played all sorts of roles. Is there any difference when you're going into a film where you're playing a character like this as opposed to a comedy role? Uh, oh yeah, definitely. I think um, your preparation when you're doing something that maybe I mean, balls obviously like a genre film, mm. revenge, but really the acting is played for naturalism and uh, is sort of rooted in reality. Yeah. So preparation will be, you know, about kind of just working out who the fella is and what might have happened in his past and and what's sort of motivating him now. <clears throat> Whereas, you know, for comedy generally, you'd be looking at where are the jokes, how do they have to land, which bit of the story am I setting up early on to then have a comic payoff later. Yeah. It's sort of slight, slightly more, not always, there's a lot of crossover, but of a of a technical prep for comedy than there is for this kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. believe it when I because I've been watching interviews from you and, and listening to everything about the film because I, I do love it so much. I can't believe that it was only filmed in, filmed in three weeks. It was like a bit of a yeah. shock to me. Yeah, it was really tight. I mean, I've done that. I've, I've had to do that before a few times. Um, get a feature made in that sort of length of time. The film I've just directed was was done in three weeks as well. Um, and it's it's strange because while it limits you in all sorts of ways, obviously, there is also a sort of energy and immersive quality to it mm. that's useful for the actor, yeah. actually. And you might be frustrated that you're maybe not getting as much time over scenes and sequences as as you feel you you need or would like. You're so caught up in it that it does some of the work for you the momentum that's that's needed for that mm -hmm. for such a shoot so um yeah it's, it's sort of interesting working at that pace uh not just it's not just limiting yeah you know one one of the many things as well i loved about the film is it's not just one no it's not just hard revenge all the way through it took me through so many emotions watching it one scene in particular and i don't want to give any spoilers away for people that haven't watched it yet yeah. But there's one scene at the fairground where you you're sat and you're sat with David Heyman at the top of a, a big wheel or a Ferris wheel, as American listeners would would refer to it. And as a parent, what you're going through when you're seeing what you're seeing, oh my god, that that really 
tugs at me and I felt for you so much while at the same time you got David next to you, his character. I, I wanted to punch the screen where he was at the same time. You got everything going on at the same time. Uh, films, you know, the scenes like that where you're more, you restrict, you go, you go through everything where you're, you're quiet and restrained, and then you build up and you get, you get so angry. It must be hard to film on the day. I should imagine is, is the things that happen on set to lighten the tone for for scenes like that because they're so, you know, as if you were they took a lot out of me just watching it, never mind appearing in it. Well, I think actually on the fairground stuff, we had some stuff to shoot on the rides and that's sort of, you can't help but, you know, maybe enjoy that stuff a little bit, you know, <laughs> on a base sort of level. But no, mainly, I mean, the, the actual, all of the fairground stuff um, was shot inside two days, actually. And mm. I think it's about quarter of the film you know 25 yeah, yeah. percent of the film and um so there wasn't a lot of time for levity actually or it was really like charging around as you say you know it's the big wheel stuff get the stuff by the car done there was some violence that we had to choreograph as well so it was um yeah it was incredibly intense filming all that stuff but as i said before that was very useful when it comes to scenes like the one you were just talking about it kind of lends itself it it means you're you're running at an internal pace that means that you can kind of find the volatility in the performance and the, the range inside the performance quite quickly um, it's quite easy to access for some reason yeah. when you're working. Because I know the scene on the waltzer. I mean, I couldn't have done any. I can't even go on a little merry-go-round. Anything that goes round makes me feel sick immediately. And I know was yeah, it. Yeah, poor Kevin. <laughs> the actor was very ill, actually. <laughs> well, I felt yeah. I must be so bad. I just couldn't have done it at all. At all. Yeah, I don't mind it. Don't uh, the, you know? the waltz. Not a thing for me. No, I would have been a little bit more worried if it had been saying it was very high. You know, that's what I was going to ask. I was wondering if you've ever been asked to do anything on a film that you've gone, oh, I don't really fancy doing that, but you've had to do it for the part. Well, I'll tell you the thing that's quite common, and I'm about to face again, although I can't talk about it too much, is that quite often they want you to do fight scenes with big guys. <laughs> <laughs> Who are a lot fitter, stroke younger, stroke more agile and able than I am. And particularly now, I'm 46 now, and I really start to think, I just don't want to be rolling around on the floor with this guy. <laughs> Not even just for the shooting of it, where it can quite often be broken up, but for the fight rehearsals oh, and yeah. that you have to work through and get all the, the the blocking right for, you know, ages before. When I read a fight scene nowadays, you put me on any ride, I'll jump off and out of anything, and, and, you know, <laughs> wherever you like, but don't make me fight someone again. You know. <laughs> What's it like choreographing? You know, you mentioned the violence, uh, and there's some pretty violent scenes in this. Choreographing them to get them right, and I love there was a lot of practical effects in it as well, which... It, being old school and a cinephile for a long, long time, I always prefer, whenever possible, practical effects. So I think, for me personally, they always come across as much more realistic as even the best CGI. So, and, and yeah. with, with the tight budget, what was it like to choreograph those? And, and what was it like watching them as, as you were filming them? From, from my limited experience in films, I always find them 
quite fun times. The, the more blood there is, the the more fun it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the interesting thing is, you know, and again, I keep going back to sort of the speed that we had to film it at, but um, it's it's interesting because some of the stuff, and I, I think Paul Andrew Williams, who directed the film, would say the same thing, is on the day, again, because you're working very quickly, you're, you're also, some of the effects might not be how the director had in mind, or and this, this is not the only film where I've had that experience. Mm -hmm. And you're shooting it going, is this going to play, really? Is this going to work, you know? Um, is this limitation that we're trying to work around going to be the thing that the audience really notices and sort of takes them out of the, the reality of the situation? And, you know, nine times out of ten, and completely in ball, I think, the way that it's cut together and put together and the, the know-how that went into the design of the the pieces or the practical effects means that once it's put together in sequence, it works and you're, you know, you, those, those limitations aren't revealed or those um, sort of uh, the results, uh, you know, being different to what you had in mind, actually mm -hmm. somehow make it better. Yeah. Um, happy accidents, you know. Um, and that's much more likely to happen with practical effects than it is with CGI, which is designed within an inch of its life. But I'm yeah. with you. I think there's something that catches you. Yeah. You know, you can see CGI. You can. Yeah, you can. Practical is just it's just more tangible, really, isn't it? Yeah, maybe there's something about practical as well that sort of it says what it is. So your brain's sort of more willing to go with it than I don't know. Uh, there's there's a whole thesis to be written about that, but. <laughs> Yeah, and I know from other interviews as well because it was filmed during COVID, and it did it did in a strange way add to the film because it added to that sense of isolation and the people not being around. And it's I mean, you as an actor must be so pleased that that's history now. When we're going to, especially like you said, you've completed your your film where you, which you've written and directed as well. So it, it was also done in the pandemic, yeah, which was difficult as a result of that you know um yeah i mean i think like everyone we're all you know all touch wood glad to be a, a, a you know not not still caught up in the middle of that the pandemic and it was strange to make two low budget films yeah. in that time you know bubbled with people it sort of provided a great deal of camaraderie and and we're all in it together sort of spirit on the films but it does make things difficult because it, it makes communication harder. You can't always be in the same room as people. Yeah. You can yeah. have meetings before we started, you know, in terms of the prep. Oh, God, uh, yeah. It just cut down on, on a lot of that. But, again, you know, maybe it, it, what did help was having less people around, strangely. Really? Yeah. Filming stuff. Well, it's just less people. When you're shooting stuff a bit more guerrilla style and, um, there's a lot of sort of rushing around with a small crew. You, that is often when you get the idiots jumping out going, you know, hello, <laughs> mum. So not having those about was the one upside of it. Really. Yeah. Um, so we were left alone to get on with a film. But, um, yeah, it's been, a, as obviously a lot for everyone, it's been a difficult um, period for, for getting stuff made and, and for when you're actually out making it, yeah. you know, it's a whole another load of hurdles to an already 
difficult thing to achieve, you know. I know from speaking to, to fellow film fans and everybody that I know that's watched Bull, universally they've loved it. They really have. Is there is there a well, is there a sense of, of like that when you're making a film that yeah, we're onto something here, this is gonna be good? Or is it always you, you just it, it's like Russian roulette? <laughs> um well yeah no yeah i think you know when you're doing something you normally know when you're doing something good or whatever and paul's a great director mm. and i knew that was you know and the, the the script was simple but um effective and uh so it felt like we were making something good i still wouldn't i mean just because most people um don't see a lot of British film, you know, and I can take some responsibility. I'll probably only go and see two or three a year at the cinema outside of anything I'm invited to, you mm -hmm. know. And um, and I think we're all guilty a little bit of when we want to see a film in English, seeing American stuff rather than, than British movies. Um, and so even when you're doing something you think's going to be great, you, you, you can't predict whether it'll find an audience, mm -hmm. whether it'll be seen and or appreciated as much by, you know, the people who might watch it as the people who are making it. And we knew we were having a great time making it. But what's been brilliant with Ball is that it's it's it found an audience. Yeah. Then that all sort of shifted. It's still got legs. People mm -hmm. are still talking about it. Second sight have done this lovely oh, yeah. Blu-ray release, which like again, you know, I sort of thought those days were over. Really, <laughs> of packaged up British films and. You know, because I didn't, I wasn't sure that there wasn't that there was the the audience for it or the consumers for it, and um, it's sort of amazing that Bulls attained that that level of yeah. following and that level of interest. You know, so no, I couldn't possibly have predicted that, but I knew we were making a good movie because this is a lovely release, and I've you know I've been a film collector since back in the VHS days. I've got like thousands of films, and I'm so glad that physical discs are still being released and we can collect them. Do you do you collect films that you're in? Do you do you rewatch films that you're in? I don't really rewatch really stuff that I'm in. It's quite a painful experience normally, <laughs> but, but you know. But yeah, I am. A, I mean, I was a big VHS film collector. I was floor to ceiling in my houses, and I still, despite having all the streaming services known to man, I'm still out buying Blu-rays and you know, whenever I'm in London, uh, fop. Yeah, it's a bit of a hiding on on Cambridge Circle. <laughs> you know, I can't walk in that shop because I know I'm going to need uh, a team of people to help <laughs> carry all the stuff up that I've bought. I picked up brilliant new Get Carter. Oh, that's um, amazing release! Yeah, oh, it's a great box set. Yeah, that's the BFI so, uh, release, I think, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's a really good one. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, with commentaries and all sorts. Yeah. But I'm a, you know, you're much like you. I'm a bit of a cinephile, a bit of a film bore, probably, is what we are, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly my wife thinks of me like that, I think, often when I start banging on. But, um, but yeah, no, I like a bit of physical. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, hopefully they, they stay with us for a long time, yeah. I would hate for it yeah, to all to go yeah. away and just all be streaming. That wouldn't be good. <laughs> and I am, yeah, I really feel a great deal of sort of honour and pride in the fact that, that, that this has been, that Bull's been turned into something. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautifully packaged. I mean, Second Sight always do a really good job with their releases and, the, you know, they've done Bull proud with this. Before we finish, Neil, I've got to say, because I am, 
hopefully I'm going to get you back on the show again because I could talk just films with you for ages to begin with. But yeah, I'd love up. to have you back on the show and talk about, you know, your upcoming film, The Clock and Loader. Clock and Luda. Luda. Uh, Nearly Luda. got there. Clock and Luda. I mispronounce it, apparently. I'm very film. intrigued by it. So, yeah, I'd love, uh, love to hear more about it, definitely. Yeah, well, I'd love to come and talk to you about it. It premieres at the, the London Film Festival in a week and a half or something. Oh, excellent. And, um, and uh, yeah, hopefully people will get to see it yeah. soon. Yeah, well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. So, yeah, all the, all the very best with that. And, again, superb work by all involved on Ball. Love it. Um, can't wait to watch it again once. Like I say, once those finger marks have gone out of the arm of the couch... And I'll be yeah, able to watch I'll, it again. I'll bring yourself to see it again. Yeah. But thanks for your time, Neil. Much appreciate it. Thank you. All thanks right. for inviting me to chat, man. Thank you. And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. As I said at the beginning, the review for Bolt is on the website. Please go and have a look on there. Of course, as I keep saying, you've got the website as your homepage, don't you? On every internet-enabled device you have. He says, tongue firmly in cheek. Bull is fantastic. And as I said in the interview with Neil, I went into it knowing nothing at all about it. I do recommend that you go into it that way if you haven't watched it already. If you have watched it already, you know what a fantastic film it is. And this Blu-ray release by Second Sight Films. It's superb. I mean, they always do fantastic packaging, great extras. They take care over their picture quality, sound quality. And it is... Uh, it's a really, really good British revenge thriller, violent, and um, those those finger clinching bits in the arm of the couch have almost gone. <laughs> a few days later, it's uh, one of those films. Yeah, highly recommended. Thank you for listening to us. Hopefully, you already know. 60mw.co.uk, numerical 60, not alphabetical, is our website. That's the hub for everything that we do. All the different shows are on there. If this is the first interview of ours you've listened to, there are plenty of other interviews on there with actors, directors, producers, musicians, and much, much more, as well as all the other format shows all about different forms of entertainment, video games, music. Have a Just have a look around the website. It's all on there. The best social media to follow us on is Twitter, which is at 60MW Podcast. That way you can keep up to date with everything that we do. So thank you for listening to this. If you've enjoyed it, tell your friends, tell them about us, share the episode. It all helps with what we do. Thank you for listening and we'll be back again very soon.